Thank you for tuning in to the City Light West Council Bluff Sermon Podcast. We are a church that exists to multiply disciples and churches that is located in Council Bluffs, Iowa. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org or follow us on Facebook at City Light West Council Bluffs and Instagram at City Light West CB. City Light, good morning. Man, it's good to be with you this morning for many reasons, one of which it's just plain good to be out of the house after I think there was about 12 days in a row where I was stuck at the house just waiting to get over the COVID, but it's good to gather together and to hear your voices singing. I love that we're a singing church. I love that as the band leads us in music, this isn't a church who just sits back and watches, but this is a church who engages and who says, I'm going to lift my voice to Jesus because of the work that he's done in me. Because when I hear your voices in the front row, I can hear everybody singing towards the front. I'm, I'm reminded of the way that God works. I'm reminded of the way that he's stepped in your lives and he's rescued you from sin. I'm reminded of the way that he met you in that night of the, the dark night of your soul. I'm reminded of the faithfulness that God keeps showing up. And as I hear you sing, I'm encouraged because I can hear it in your voices the way that God has rescued you. And so, man, I'm glad that we're a singing church because I need to hear your voices singing in the front row. This week, as I was kind of home alone, uh, when, when you kind of get alone and quiet and you're sick and tired, uh, sometimes the enemy can come in and speak a lot of lies to you. And so this week, I was just feeling kind of melancholy down on myself. I was feeling like God, like uh, our enemy was just kind of speaking a lot of lies over me. He's like, hey, you know what? You're no good. This whole idea of like planting a church on the West End of Council Bluffs, it's all in vain. You're never going to see the change in this city that you want to see and then I was listening to a podcast and I was reminded of a verse in Isaiah 49, 16 that says, his, uh, our names were written on his hands. And that comforted me in that moment because I realized that he's got this. Not because I'm great, but because we are in the palms of his hands. And so as I come and I listen and I hear you guys singing out to Jesus, I'm reminded even more so that he's already began a work in this city. That he's already on the move. That he's already rescuing and redeeming people from sin. He's saving people from slavery to addiction. He is renewing and restoring families. The Spirit of God is on the move, church. And so continue to sing out loud because if nothing else, I need to hear your voices and be reminded of the way that God is moving and working in our church. Amen? So, anyway... uh, I should get to the preaching thing I'm supposed to do. Uh, transition to my text. Let's go. Uh, I'm, so we're two weeks into our Advent series. And what we've wanted to do over our Advent series is spend four weeks talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that is, uh, Chuck, Chuck spent like the first week talking about who the Holy Spirit is. And then he spent last week talking about some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. So we've, we've talked about a little bit about the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's not junior varsity. It's not something we settle for once Jesus goes to heaven is I guess we get the Holy Spirit. No, God, the Holy Spirit is God 
living in us. And he leads us and he guides us and he speaks to us and he encourages us and he points us the way to go and he brings God's kingdom to us. And so, so we've, we've talked about some of those things. And just as a way to paint a picture of where we're going in this talk today, I'm going to open up to 1 Corinthians 12, which Mark read for us, to give us some insight into the purpose, like why does the Holy Spirit do all those things, and how does the Holy Spirit do all those things. And then we're going to talk about the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. So let's read 1 Corinthians Uh, chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one is speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can ever say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So Paul is writing to a church in Corinth that uh, is not unfamiliar with spiritual experiences. Paul is writing this letter to a culture that is a religious culture that had all sorts of temples to all sorts of God with all sorts of festivals in which they would celebrate these other deities. And so Paul is writing a letter to a culture that is not, that, that is familiar with spiritual experiences. And that is why he says, I don't want there to be any confusion here. Because I know that in your life you've experienced all sorts of spiritual experiences. And I don't want uh, how your assumptions, what you've experienced before, I don't want that to paint a picture of how it is to walk in the Holy Spirit. And I think in a lot of ways we can relate with Paul's culture. Because we are a culture who is also enamored with spiritual experiences. People in our world are chasing all sorts of spiritual experiences one way or another. Some people do it through uh, going to concerts and music festivals. Or some people do it through, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, crystals and, like, weird stuff. <laughs> Anybody seen that? That's kind of a new thing going on. Some people try to experience uh, spiritual things through like hallucinogenics. That's like a huge thing right now too. I'm listening to all these podcasts that are talking about like magic mushrooms and ayahuasca and how that connected them to some spiritual plane. And uh, you never thought you were going to hear about magic mushrooms during an Advent sermon, but here we are. But the point is that we are a culture that is also obsessed with kind of reaching some sort of spiritual plane. People do it through meditation. People do it all sorts of different ways. We are a people who are yearning for spiritual experiences. And some of us have experienced some spiritual experiences in the past. And, and honestly, in the church, we are no different. We are a people yearning for an experience of God. And some of us have experienced maybe walking into a church that felt more like a circus than a church gathering. And there's people falling down and there's people waving flags and speaking in tongues. You don't know what's going on. There's a bearded lady for some reason. I was like, what's going on here? So we are a church that we are a people, even in the church, that is seeking out for some spiritual experiences. And that's 
why it's so important for us to not be uninformed with who the Holy Spirit is, why He does what He does. And and I want to point out that it's not a bad thing that we yearn for spiritual experiences. In fact, the idea that we are all looking for some sort of spiritual, some other plane to reach or whatever, it points to the fact that God has placed that in the heart of every human soul. Because we were meant, we were intended, we were created for experience, experiencing God. Like all the way back in Genesis 1, when God created the whole world, He created Eden. And there's some very specific language in Genesis 1 about how God's creation is a temple of God. And how we were always meant to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to live with God. And so this is placed deep down in the hearts of every human being to experience spiritual things. There's something in us that longs for more. And and here's the other thing, like Paul points out that in some of your seeking for spiritual experiences, you found out that your idol was mute, like he was powerless. Like you rubbed those crystals on your feet and you weren't healed you went to the tarot card reader person and it didn't come true. That hallucinogenic trip didn't quite connect you with that spiritual plane you were hoping to experience. All those kinds of things can lead you astray. And so what Paul is saying, I guess I left my phone on, whoops. Uh, <laughs> in the same way in the church, like, that worship service where you felt those goosebumps on your arm, eventually those fade away. And the feelings that you experienced in that moment go away. And that's why we're doing this whole series, because in ver- like, just like uh, Paul says in verse 1, we don't want you to be misinformed. We don't want you to be misguided. We want you to be able to see clearly what is happening, how the Holy Spirit works, and how He moves. We don't want you to be tricked. In a world that is offering you all sorts of spiritual experiences, in a church that can offer you all sorts of spiritual experiences depending on where you go, and your heart that longs to experience God, you can be tricked and misled. And thus... Paul graciously gives us a standard by which we can gauge all of these spiritual experiences, a barometer of sorts to say, is this of God? And in verse 3, he lets us know, does it glorify Jesus? Does it lift up Jesus? Does it reflect Jesus's character? Does it draw attention to the televangelist, or does it draw attention to Jesus? It's a really simple diagnostic we get in verse 3. Because the very purpose of the Holy Spirit is to highlight, to magnify, to lift up and glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' hype man, in a sense. He is Flava Flav or Lil John in the background just going, Yeah! About half of you are like, who is that? And I'm cool with it. I don't care. That's a joke for me, not for you. Uh, 
But the Holy Spirit's job is to point us to Jesus. Verse 3 says this, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity is to point us to Jesus. Jesus says as much in John 16, verse 14 and 15, in reference to the Holy Spirit, he says this, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. John Piper says it this way, The Spirit is sent to make Christ real to people and to show us who He really is in His glory so that we can come to love Him, trust Him, obey Him, and show Him to the world. The Spirit loves to come and take truth about Jesus and turn it into an experience of Jesus. So how are we gauging all these spiritual experiences? How do we know if something is truly from God or not? Well, the simple question is, does it glorify Jesus? Does it point us to him? Do you leave that thing praising God for who he is? And does it reflect his character? Is it magnifying and telling of the righteousness, power, and worthiness of Jesus? Because if it doesn't, then that's not from the Holy Spirit. That's a really easy diagnostic to to look at all these things through. The role of the Holy Spirit is to take the truth about Jesus, turn into experience of Jesus, to magnify, glorify, and point to Jesus. And so that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. That is how he does things. That's why he does things. So as we talk about moving on to spiritual gifts and things, and so we ask, like, why does God give these utterances of wisdom or of tongues or of healing? It's all for the purpose of glorifying Jesus, to pointing people to him. All right? There's a lot of I get off on a soapbox. I haven't, I haven't preached in a while, so I'm just going crazy. There's a, there's, a, there's a lot of people who call themselves prophets, and nothing in their prophecies are about Jesus. <laughs> Say la. <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, so, so we're going to continue on in 1 Corinthians 12 and describe what it looks like When the Holy Spirit takes the truth about Jesus and turns it into an experience of Jesus in the life of a believer. The the common term for this is the spiritual gifts. And so we're going to kind of just use that term over and over. These are the spiritual gifts. Verse 4 says this, There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And so we're only a few weeks away from Christmas. This is the day that all the kids up in CLK are waiting for. The day where they get to unwrap their presents. And I can remember being a kid back in those days. 
And the way my family opens gifts is we pass out each gift to each person and then we kind of go in a circle and each person opens one gift at a time and everybody just has to kind of watch. And the hard part about that is that all these people are opening gifts. You're waiting for your turn, which takes longer and longer as the family gets bigger and bigger. And so somebody opens up like a cool toy or an electronic thing that you really want to play with. And so you're all excited to get to your gift and you're kind of picking blind. You just grab a box and you open it up and it socks. <laughs> Gosh darn it, grandma. Like, come on. And so... You have to wait a whole nother turn around before you can open up that sword or that laser gun or that Nerf gun or whatever it is that you really wanted. And Paul, in verses 4 through 6, tells us that this is not how the gifts of the Spirit work. There is no, like, hierarchy. There are no things that are better or worse than another. There's nothing that when you rip open the box that you should be disappointed about. All of them are gifts. And there's a diversity of gifts because there's a a diversity of people and a diversity of needs in the body. And and Chuck's going to hit this a little harder next week, but it's important for us to remember there are a variety of gifts, but they aren't rated on a hierarchy or something. One is not greater, like God doesn't love you more because you got one gift and love somebody else less because they're given this other thing. No, like all these gifts are given by God in the same spirit. We, we, we read this, there are varieties of gifts, service, and activities, but the same spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. And so let's, let's dive into some of this, some of these gifts. In verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the spirit, for the common good. I want you to stop and notice the language Paul uses to describe what the gifts are. Spiritual gifts are not abilities. They're not skills given to you. Spiritual gifts are manifestations of God's Spirit in you. Paul says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. I'm just going to steal this line from somebody who's a better preacher than I am, but he said this, the spiritual gifts are manifestations of the presence of God, not distribution of presence from God. Does that make sense? It's a manifestation of the presence of God, not distribution of presence from God. Meaning, spiritual gifts are not abilities. They are manifestations of God among you. Sam Storms, who's a, he's a pastor in Oklahoma who uh, is kind of in this camp. He says this, he says, spiritual gifts are not God bestowing to his people something external to himself. Spiritual gifts are nothing less than God himself in us energizing our souls, imparting revelation to our minds, and infusing power in our wills, and working His sovereign and gracious purposes through us. The spiritual gifts are nothing more than God Himself working in us and through us. 
Here's the line I want you to remember. That the spiritual gifts are not abilities given to us. They are opportunities God uses to minister through us. The spiritual gifts are not abilities given to us. They are opportunities God uses to minister through us. And, And here's why that is important. Why framing it that way is important. Um, <laughs> my wife told me not to include this part, but I'm doing it anyway. How many of you have uh, taken those spiritual gift assessments before? Where you fill out all the things on the piece of paper, you add up your score, and at the end, you get to learn about what gifts God has given you. Uh, so you, so I, I looked. I actually looked one of these up this week just to kind of pull some of the questions. And here's here's how these things work. It says, so the question is, I enjoy sharing my opinion on spiritual matters. If you answer yes, boom, you're a pastor. Uh, I've seen people healed after I pray for them. Boom, you're a healer. Or how about this? I enjoy working behind the scenes, taking care of little details. Oh, you've got the gift of service. It's the proverbial socks of the spiritual gifts. Congratulations. Like these things aren't helpful. And I know my wife has a story where she was working at a summer camp and and uh, they gave this test to the kids. And one of the kids got the gift of prophecy. And what he ended up doing was wrapping a towel around his head and acting like an ancient mystic for the rest of camp, trying to tell people's futures. It's like, this is where some of these ideas of spiritual gifts being abilities given to us, as opposed to opportunities for God to minister through us, these are where these things start getting kind of messed up. We can kind of throw out that idea. Like spiritual gifts are not abilities given to you. And like those tests, like I'm not saying they're all bad. It can tell us a lot about our aptitudes, our desires, or how God has created us. Those are awesome things, but it does not reveal to you your spiritual gifts. Nowhere in the Bible, when Paul uses this word gifts, does he mean abilities. In fact, it's the same word he uses for the gift of salvation, which is freely given to us, not something that we have and hold and earn. Because listen again, spiritual gifts are not abilities given to you. They are opportunities God uses to minister through you. And and that matters for a lot of reasons. One, I think one reason is that it frees us up. Because when we take those tests and we think, I'm, okay, I'm this person, so I'm not having to do all these other things, or I don't get to do all these other things. So like, imagine with me that somebody walks into the church, and they're on crutches, their leg is all bandaged up, it's obviously they've been in some sort of accident or something, and at the end of service, they come to take communion, and they take a tumble. Your response isn't, Where's the person with the gift of mercy to help this person up? No, in that moment, God is giving you the opportunity to glorify Jesus by bestowing mercy on this person. Or like, let's say uh, you're talking to people before and after church, and you're talking with this person who uh, maybe is estranged from their family for Christmas. 
And you have this spread planned out. I mean, you're going all out with all the fixings. And you're talking to this person who, for one reason or another, is going to be alone on Christmas. You do not say, where's the person with the gift of hospitality? Where's Amy Cook at in here? No. You say, hey, God is obviously opening up this opportunity for me to be hospitable to this person. The spiritual gifts are not abilities given to you. They are opportunities that God presents where he allows his spirit to work through you for the encouragement of the church, for the building up of the church. Man, I think what this does is it opens our eyes up a little bit. It keeps our eyes open. It keeps us listening to what God can be guiding us to. It gives us a kind of a new perspective. Um, I just, I pray as a church that we're the kind of church who are looking for opportunities, not passively sitting back and letting them happen to us, but we are those who are looking for opportunities to encourage, to build one another up, to glorify Jesus in it. And like, there, there will be a day if you're in this church long enough, if you get involved in a city group where someone is going to show up to your city group and they're going to be sick and maybe they're going to be terminally sick. And I pray as a church that our first response wouldn't be, where is the person with the gift of healing? I pray that we are the kind of church who boldly comes before God. And says, I'm going to lay hands on this person and pray for their healing. Because the same Holy Spirit lives in me that lives in Chuck, that lives in Kenan, that lives in Mark or Tim or anybody. The same Holy Spirit lives in me. And maybe, just maybe, if I'm obedient, he's going to do something miraculous in this scenario. Amen? May we be a church who are looking for opportunities. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And if you are willing, if you obey what God is asking you to do, maybe God will come and do something that you could never imagine. Because spiritual gifts are not abilities given to you. They are opportunities for God's Spirit to minister through you. And man, I can think of a couple people over the past year who have stepped up in times and listened to the Spirit in obedience to God and have taken an awkward step to encourage me. Like I can think of somebody in this church who, this was before I was pastor. This was before, and I I was in a place where I was doubting myself. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was discouraged. And and at this time, I didn't honestly really know this person that much at the time. And, And God gave her a vision that she shared with my wife, and then my wife shared it with me. And as I heard what she saw, man, I just felt God just encourage me and say, hey, Kenan, I see you. I haven't forgotten you. I've got you. And like, it wasn't about the specific thing in the vision. 
It was about God encouraging me through it. And then there's another a few months ago. Me and my wife were up here on the front row during communion. And at the time we were going, we were grieving. We had just gone through something kind of tough and we were struggling. And someone came down to take communion. And as they did, they shared a word over me. And honestly, I don't even remember what this person said. But I can remember the way it made me praise Jesus for the fact that he had not forgotten me. That in that moment, he was encouraging me. And in that moment, I just wanted to thank Jesus and sing to him and lift my hands up because of his faithfulness and his goodness. That's how the Holy Spirit works in the church. And I wonder what it would look like if all of us were to be obedient, listening to the Spirit, willing to step out with that encouraging word, willing to share that utterance of wisdom, willing to be hospitable to that person who has no one else. What would a community that looks like that look like? Man, I wonder how many people have gone home dejected because we've been disobedient to share an encouraging word with them in the body. Man, church, the spiritual gifts are not abilities given to us. They are opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work and minister through us. And if everyone who called City Light West Council Bluffs their home were actively looking for opportunities to serve, to invite, to teach, and encourage one another, I think we would just have a vibrant church that people would be desperate to be a part of. And people would be just so encouraged and given life and life more abundantly because of what Jesus is doing. Spiritual gifts are not abilities given to you. They are opportunities God uses to minister through you. And what I long for is I pray that we are a church who's looking for those opportunities. But I also, knowing that spiritual gifts are not abilities, should create in us a dependence on God. It should create in us a need to humble ourselves before God and pray that His Holy Spirit would work through us. Because these are not abilities we have. These are Holy Spirit showing up in the midst of whatever we're doing. And so it should create in us a heart of dependence. It should free us up, but it should also create in us a heart of of dependence. So man, I want to be a church who humbles themselves before God and begs Him to move in our city. Who knocks on His door over and over and over again. Like I believe that God wants to do something miraculous in our city. I believe that God wants to use your life as a trophy of His grace. He wants this place to be a beacon of light to a dark world. He wants to show off His ability to make broken things new again. God wants to do that. But the question is, how often, honestly, are we getting on our knees before Him and asking Him to show up in that way? Are we seeking Him with everything? 
are we asking Him over and over and over again to show up? Luke 18 gives us a picture of how we should persistently, continually, and even annoyingly ask God to step in and show up. Jesus is telling a parable to His disciples. He's telling a story about this unjust judge who neither cared about God or people or anything. He was an unjust judge. And every day, a woman would come to him, banging on his front door, screaming, Give me justice! Give me justice! And for a while, he ignored the woman. But over time, she began to get more and more annoying. And eventually, the unjust judge gave in and just gave the woman what she wanted, simply because he was annoyed. And Jesus says, hey, listen to the story of the unjust judge. If even an unjust judge will give justice when someone continually, perpetually is asking for it, how much more so will a loving father give himself to you? And man, I want to be like this woman. I want to be bold and brash, even annoying to God. Begging that He deliver my friends, family, and neighbors from their sin. I want God to be irritated by how much I'm begging Him to change our city. I'm, I, I want to be persistent in asking God to do miraculous things in this church. Because here's the thing. I would rather ask God a million times and see two people healed than simply sit back on the sidelines and watch the world die. Are we willing to humble ourselves to persistently pursue God and ask Him to show up? I pray we are a church who is persistently coming to God with our head in our hands and on our knees. Like, God, show up and save my brother. Like, God, rescue my mom from addiction. God, step in and comfort my neighbor who's in a rough spot. Bring hope to a city that's in decay. Are we a church that is truly asking God for those things? Not just once on a prayer night or once a week on Sundays, but every day banging on that door for God to show up and move. Because spiritual gifts are not abilities given to us, they are God's presence working through us, it should cause us to have a dependence like that. And I'm going to share one more story, and I'll be done. As I was stuck at home, uh, there was a day I was pretty down in the dumps, and uh, I was reminded of a story uh, that I remember seeing. On, it was on my YouTube page. It was scrolling through. It popped up on my timeline. The video was of a singer on America's Got Talent from last year. Uh, the performer's name was Nightbird. And she sang an original song called It's Okay. What made this video even more emotional was that she revealed to the judges that her body was littered with cancer. And so here we have like this 30-year-old gal with terminal cancer singing the refrain, It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It was a powerful, powerful video. But uh, what in my mind was even more powerful was after that aired a bunch of people kind of got a hold of her blog on her website and kind of shared this blog post. And I loved it. I just want to read it, a portion of it to you. It says this, I am God's downstairs neighbor, banging on the ceiling with a broomstick. 
I show up at his door every single day. Sometimes with songs, sometimes with curses, sometimes apologies, gifts, questions, demands. Sometimes I use my key under the mat to let myself in. Other times I sulk outside until he opens the door to me himself. I have had cancer three, three times now, and I've barely passed 30. There are times when I wonder what I must have done to deserve such a story. I fear sometimes that when I die and meet with God, he will say I disappointed him or offended him or failed him. Maybe he'll say, I I never learned the lesson or I wasn't grateful enough. But one thing I know for sure is he can never say that he did not know me. What a powerful example about how we are to come to God, begging for him to show up, the annoying downstairs neighbor hitting his floor with a broomstick. And here's what we celebrate this morning is that God did show up. God does answer prayers. I mean, we celebrate it in the Advent season we, when we remember for all the hundreds and thousands of years that God's people cried out for God to come. And we celebrate that on Christmas Eve, He did. Jesus did come. Jesus is not an unjust judge. He is a loving Father who when we come to Him and we pray for Him to show up, He will give us Himself. And as a church that is longing to see things happen in our city, who is longing to see things change in your lives, and is longing to see hope come, we should be those who are constantly banging on the roof, asking God to show up and to deliver our friends and to bring hope to a city that has lost it. That's our role in this thing. The spiritual gifts are not abilities given to us. They are opportunities for us to minister. The question is, will we take that opportunity? Will we step up? Will we have our eyes open looking for ways that we can serve one another? Looking for ways we can encourage one another? Are we going to be proactive in prayer just in our dependence on God to show up to say like, man, I can't do any of this in my own strength. I need you to come and to speak, to give me the words. Are we going to be that kind of church? I pray that we will be. We have a loving God who will always give of himself to his people if we ask. We celebrate this morning because Christ came to earth. He lived a perfect life, died a perfect, died a sinner's death so that we could be born again, so that we could have our sins forgiven, but also so that we could walk with his spirit every day. Like, man, coming to Jesus isn't just about getting your ticket punched to heaven. It's about the fact that we can walk in the knowledge and power of the Holy Spirit. Asking Him to guide us, asking Him to speak through us, asking us to use, uh, asking Him to use us for His glory. When we trust in Jesus, God gives us His Spirit to live in us, dwell in us, and give us life and life more abundantly. We have a God who is not mute. Like the God that Paul, or the gods that Paul was talking about in verse two. We have a God who shows up, a God who speaks, a God who renews, a God who makes all things new. And that's what we celebrate every week when we take communion. The fact that God is making all things new. We celebrate the fact that if we come to him, that he can give us the gift of salvation. 
That there's nothing we have to offer. There's no ability that we're giving to Him. There's no righteousness of our own that could earn our standing before Him. But we come before Him knowing that God is a loving God who offered Himself as a sacrifice so that we no longer are seen as sinners, but we are seen as righteous in His sight because of what He has done, not because of what we do. And so we celebrate in communion the fact that we have nothing to offer and that we are wholly and totally dependent on Him for our salvation and we are wholly and totally dependent on Him as we walk with Him and as we try to minister to one another. And so for the church, just the question I'm asking, are you willing to step out in faith? To ask God to show up in our church, in our city, in our families, and in our lives in such a way that Jesus is glorified and we are all built up and encouraged. As we take communion, I just pray that we're remembering our Jesus who was willing to step forward, who was willing to step out in faith and face death. And He did so that we may experience life. I mean, I pray we would be a church that follows His example who sets out to walk in obedience to God, serving one another, loving each other, sacrificing ourselves so that we might bring life to the world around us. Amen? Uh, Let me pray. Thank you again for listening. This podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for gathering with a local body of believers, but as a resource that encourages and empowers you to follow Jesus as your heart is pointed towards the gospel. If you want to learn more about our church, visit citylightwestcb.org.